Mind Pump has some favorite uh, podcasts that we listen to that we've talked about in the past. One of them... Not very many, though. I'm a little biased. There's yeah. not a lot. <laughs> i got to like the motherfucker if I'm going to listen to him every like day. two or three. Some are really good. One of our favorites is uh, The Art of Charm. Excellent, excellent podcast. So boy, Jordan, what's up? Great uh, interviews uh, with some uh, very interesting individuals. Did you guys listen to episode 573 where you talked to General Stanley McChrystal? Talk about a powerful episode. Inspiring. Great. I just listened to that one recently. I, it's uh, What really blows me away is how respected the guy is how I mean how great he sounded kind of grounded he sounded very humble and grounded on the show and how his uh, the special forces soldiers would see him in the trenches with him you know he's one of those well, leaders don't give away too much of the episode they got to go listen because that's probably one of the better episodes I've heard in the last month or so on that it was fucking great make yeah, sure you they gotta go, check it out what, what, what number was that? episode 573 art of charm uh, where Jordan interviews General Stanley McChrystal Hey guys. Oh yeah. What is the number one most valuable thing that we offer according to our fans? When people message you and say, hey, this is the thing that I value the most. This is the thing that I love the most and I'm so glad I got it. Hands down the forum. Forum. Hands down. By far. The forum is a community of fitness professionals, doctors, uh, trainers, or just fitness enthusiasts uh, who support each other share fitness tips, diet tips. They check each other's form uh, with exercises. They ask us questions because me, Adam, and Justin are on the forum daily, and it's usually several times a day. We have we have competitors. We have bodybuilders. We have a huge community athletes, of competitors. Physique. You know, we got people that are going to Arnold's Classic right now in there. So you got people talking about diet in there, carb cycling. You got vegans in there. You got ketogenic people in there. It's very diverse it's and an, awesome. Yeah, it's an incredible community. We got what? Mike Salemi on there. We have St- Stephanie uh, Obregozo, yeah. two people. Dr. Just, Brink is in there. Dr. Brink mm-hmm. is in there. It is an incredibly valuable uh, thing that we offer, and uh, the price will be going up next month. However... This month, guess what? Get it for free. What? You can get it for free. This is how you do it. If you enroll in the RGB bundle or the MAPS Super Bundle. So let me break it down for you. The RGB bundle is nine months of exercise programming. It contains our core MAPS program. You have MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Three amazing programs by themselves. But if you combine the three of them and you do them in order... You have nine months of fantastic exercise programming, and we throw in the form for free. Or if you want to go to the next step, if you really want uh, everything that we have to offer, you do the MAPS Super Bundle, which includes what RGB has, but it also includes MAPS Anywhere, which is a MAPS program designed without equipment. So you could do it at home, you could do it on the road, or what a lot of our members are doing is they're using it to bridge between MAPS Anabolic and MAPS Performance or between MAPS Performance and MAPS Aesthetic. In other words, you finish one program, then you focus on these closed chain movements with your with body weight movement, improving proprioceptive ability. Then you move into the next MAPS. So in other words, you use MAPS Anywhere as a bridge in between them. That's included for free. Also, our latest program, the one that's getting critical acclaim. This is the program Most that trainers... for sure. Oh, yeah. Trainers, coaches are messaging on us about this program. It's uh, revolutionary. It is a program with a self-assessment component that helps direct you to prime, how to prime your workouts properly. And by the way, priming makes a huge difference in your results. Huge difference. Uh, And it it teaches you how to prime your body individually, properly. So you get all of that with the MAP Super Bundle and you get the forum for free. So again, the RGB Bundle or the MAP Super Bundle, forum access absolutely for free for life. And don't forget, if you don't get the form this month, next month it's going to cost more. So it's a great 
It's a great value. You can find all of this at mindpumpmedia.com. If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. You guys ready for some music magic? Here oh, we, no. Here we what go. Are, what are you going to do? Here we go. Another one-hit wonder? And every time I think of her, oh, every time, man. Other guys. Remember this one? Never with me. No. She's driving me. Come on, dude. Listen to the freaking background. So Wasn't this like an intro to a uh, sitcom? No. Right here. Ready? You guys remember this? Yeah, I do. Oreo Speedwagon? I used to call them uh, Oreo when I was a kid. I thought they said yeah. Oreo. Oreo Speedwagon. Oreo. I have a... Comp- I have a, a comp- it's because those were like crack when you were a kid. Dude, what? Oreos? Oreos? Holy They're shit. Still, what do you mean when you're a kid? Uh, they haven't lost their crack-like ability since I've been an adult. Yeah. It's the same thing. That's probably why I've been avoiding them. Here's something I don't I get. Like Here's something anymore. I don't get. I don't. I never. Okay, when the commercials for Oreos when we were kids, what would they always show? Someone would fucking open the Oreo and lick the cream or whatever. And I always thought to myself, like that's stupid. People actually eat them like that. Of course. Just why? Like, yeah, you, dude. The same thing goes for Reese's peanut butter cups. It's the best part. What do you? What do you mean? Reese's peanut butter cups. They people eat the center out first. Don't you remember seeing those commercials? Wait, how do you eat the center out? People are weird. People punch the center out with what? Their finger. Their tongue. If do you, they really? They tongue you, punch. If you, take, if you take like a really like a Reese's peanut butter cup, mm. like the big ones, right? And, and you know, like when you watch it. somebody tongue punch something like that, they're like, you're a keeper. Do what? Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> you're a tongue puncher. Hey, <laughs> hey girl. Tongue yeah. punch the that's fuck. Not, that's me, how you tongue punch. That's that, just, uh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant marketing is what but, that is. But people it's, actually ate Oreos yeah. like that? Yeah, but yeah, exactly. There's, or, do you but, think that they did it because the advertising yes, did it? Or do you yes. think it was the other way around? No, they did it because the advertising. So you don't think that Well, someone, maybe one per. I don't know. I, maybe one I'm, person yeah, of the world. People have really weird ticks. You know what I mean? They do weird stuff. The, typically something like that happens right where i'm sure i'm sure it didn't uh, i don't know i'm not sure actually at all uh it could have happened where um someone did it oreo found out about it thought oh that's brilliant that's funny we can market that and then they did it afterwards mm-hmm. or they thought let's make this into a thing because somebody on our team likes to fucking open yeah. them up and do that God, it reminds me of that uh tootsie pop commercial you know Right. How many licks does it take to get to the center of the Tootsie Pop? Yeah. That, m- more great marketing. Three. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but hold on a second. So here's the thing. with This is my problem with Oreo, with that, with people that eat Oreos that way. And you know <laughs> who your, you are. What's your problem? You, my, know, you I got know who a, you are. I got a fucking problem with you, man. That's why uh, Oreo got smart and they double stuffed yeah, you, it now. You, you twist it, it pops open. Stupid, stupid. And then you take your teeth Completely and you drag stupid. that shit off. Completely stupid. Yeah, you don't the whole, it. The whole purpose the engineering the reason why an oreo is an oreo is because you take a bite and you have cookie and cream yeah, there's a ratio there if i just eat cream yeah. it's not a cookie it's a it's cream yeah but if people, i just eat the cookie it's people just like, like that 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 sweet lard it is no you longer I mean? an Whatever oreo the fuck it's like sucking is. the cream out of a twinkie what, what is that stuff <laughs> yeah and then yeah, yeah. i'm gonna start we should do a commercial you bite the twinkie and then you suck oh, you the cream suck out. It out. <laughs> get it all over your face like, wow that's disgusting i don't know why that's sexual but it just is i know why it is because we know i can just see justin like fingering it to try and get all the cream out Oh my god! I'll stick my nose inside. Just, oh my god! Yeah, I'm serious though. You eat an Oreo, you so want squishy. cookie. There's a cookie to cream ratio that makes it an Oreo. Mm. Don't fuck that shit up, man. Yeah, you know? it just feels like it just ruins it. I don't know. But it's like I, getting it's like you imagine eating bro, cookies and chocolate chips separately. Yeah. I'm gonna eat all these chocolate chips. 
Then I'm going to eat all these cookies. Did I eat chocolate chip cookies? No. You ate chocolate chips and you ate cookies. You sound like a dictator. Yeah. Let people do what they want to do. Don't you think it's kind of like peanut butter and jelly, though? Like, I mean, they both probably existed without each other, but together. Well, yeah, I'm sure they weren't invented at the same time. Exactly. So I think it's the same. And then someone goes, oh, my God, when you put these two things together, it's like. It's makes it's like a, this explosion. Yeah, happens. it's this perfect marriage. Peanut yeah. butter, so jelly now they time. Peanut market butter, together. Jelly. Peanut Dude, butter, jelly. I uh, a baseball I, hat. I got a, I got a something bad almost happened this morning. What? So I don't know about Another you guys. Another sauna accident? No, <laughs> I was here this morning. <laughs> Can we just call it like the sauna saga? It's yeah, actually, you know it's, I mean? it's actually like, a steam room. Oh, well, I don't I, do the sauna. Well, excuse me. It's the know? steam. Yeah. So, it, it just worked too well saying so, it like that. So I don't know about you guys, but for me, there's really only one thing that will negatively affect my libido. Hmm. Only one thing. Only one thing? There's only one thing. I can think of quite a few. Th- that will hmm. negatively affect my libido. Watching Justin, Getting your prostate Watching checked. Justin eat a Twinkie would be one uh, of them for me. That has no effect on my libido. <laughs> it remains the same. Come on, bro. <laughs> nope. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot a video. I'm going to send it to you. <laughs> no. uh, it remains that the doesn't same. Use this. Obviously, yeah. it doesn't affect Sal because uh, that's not one, the one thing that affects no, it. But it that would affect, hey, maybe it's I'm a performance be, enhancement. I'm going to be you honest. That would affect me. It would negatively affect you? Negatively affect you. Oh, my God. No, I got to last longer. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't positively affect it. it. Wouldn't negatively. It just doesn't get my my libido is basically. It's like it doesn't get fucked with. It's consistent but unless there's one, one thing, thing. This one thing fucks with, and it's stress. If I'm very stressed out oh, about yeah. something, yeah, yeah. then I my libido can it basically it gets very low. Now my girlfriend would disagree. Yeah. We had this conversation. She's like, uh, I don't think so. And I know me, and I know it gets low when I'm super super stressed. And it's weird because what happens is. <clears throat> Whatever I'm stressed about, I'll, I'll I'll address that issue just through a conversation. And halfway through the conversation, you get all horny. of us, yes, <laughs> not weird. So like, so I'll be. Let's say I'm stressed out about. I don't it's know. Not weird. I'll make something up. Let's say I'm stressed out about. You're uh, like, oh, there he is. I'm actually a lot better. Hey. Yeah. So so let's say hey, friend. Let, let's say like uh, I'll just make something up. Let's say it's finances. I'm like, God damn it, I'm so stressed out about finances. And then we talk about it. Like let's say I talk about it with my girlfriend. And I'm just just through talking about it, and I'm addressing it, and then halfway through the conversation, it's like, whoa! Oh, I can do so anyway, this. very stressed out. I've been very stressed out lately, and uh, we I had a nice conversation with my girlfriend this morning, and it, the, the libido came right back. And then we came here to work out, and I didn't, I didn't, <clears throat> didn't because I came in. So thank God you didn't. That's I don't know, correct, dude. I, I kind of something could something might have happened. In I want here. I want to yeah. challenge that. I want to challenge you here. I, I think maybe well, we got a lot of GoPros in here. So. I think maybe that's the other reason. I, I don't think it's because you are stressed and then you had this conversation and then that's where your libido. I think you have a an intelligent woman that you can have a conversation with and for the first I don't want to say for the first time in your life but maybe uh, <laughs> <What is laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> that's, that's what I was thinking but yeah. I'm not going to say that what I'm <laughs> what I am going to say is that uh, that's probably a very attractive uh, I know what that's like to being a cerebral man and having a woman that uh, you can talk to about things like that that normally a man like me or like you probably suppress and handles yourself because mm. you don't uh, trust that many other people, much less that many other women that you're with to give you feedback and advice. Wow. And she probably gives you very good wow. feedback and advice, which wow. is, can turn somebody on. Wow, no, but that's pretty good. That's a good theory. <laughs> no, I think, of course, I'm... Uh, it's, you disagree then? No, well... Uh, I'm going to ask You're Jessica. not wrong. She you're probably Dr. agrees Phil with me. Jessica, you agree with me. No, you're not wrong because...
because uh, for me, uh, I, I'm very mentally uh, stimulated. Mm. Very, very mentally. Yeah. Like nothing is, I'll tell you what. Mm. I had a friend of mine who posted a picture of, um, what was it? She posted a picture, I think it was Three's Company. Mm-hmm. And uh, people were you know talking about, the, you know, remember the show Three's Company? Yeah. Three's knock Company to You asked that twice. Like, did you yeah. want Justin to sing it? As yeah, what, a great, what a great show. Yeah. But anyway, everybody thought Chrissy Guys was- Guys riding a bike. Oh, yeah. Everybody thought Chrissy was hot, right? Chrissy was the hot one. Fuck yeah. No, Janet. No. I always wanted to bang Janet. No. Always. No, you can't compete with- uh, the thigh master lady. She's stupid. Woo. She was stupid in the show. Therefore, no, I had she no. She didn't even wear a bra. I was super. I was super attracted. to Go Janet. back and watch. It. God, now, you remember that? Now, Jesus. now, what about? She was like my crush. Now, what about Scooby Doo? Obviously. What about Scooby Doo? Who's the hot girl in Scooby Doo? You like the nerdy girl that found like the, the red hair? I, I liked Velma. No. You like Velma? Yeah. I was always attracted. You would be a Velma fucker. Isn't that weird? <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Velma, Velma fucker. fucker. Starting another one. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Adam, you're shaggy. Yeah. Yeah. You've turned you're into shag- shaggy. Sweeks. Oh, yeah. the, the, the stash right now, that's what I, yeah. I kind of feel shaggy ish. Dude, you're, your, your, mustache, Dude. your mustache makes me feel violated. So I had this. You know what the funniest Scooby Doo episode ever was? What? Like, okay, so like Shaggy got stuck in a chimney and he's like ah oh, i can't get out scoob you know and and so like like he he gets scooby to basically get a broom and so <laughs> scooby is like shoving this broom up to try and get him out of there and he's like and he's like laughing the whole time i'm like what the fuck is going on he's shoving a broom like to try up and get him butt. out it just looks like he's just penetrating him you, you don't think <laughs> hilarious a, you don't think for a second that these these cartoon writers get bored as fuck. That's what I'm saying. And they're like, hey, let's do some shit. Like, He's like, we can totally get they don't even know what this is. Like, I wouldn't have known. Well, they're a bunch of stoners. No, they're don't all you, a bunch of stoners. You know, yeah. that was a big thing, right, with uh, like the Disney movies. Do you remember when that happened? Oh, when they put like dicks in there and stuff? Yeah, like, yeah. Like in the clouds? Yeah, yeah, like so in the Aladdin cloud, if you freeze it, uh, or not, or when he's flying on the carpet inside, I can't remember what it says on the wall. It says something. I remember it lying. What's that song on the carpet? When lying. <laughs> you remember? Not, oh, you're looking at me to like yeah. whole new world. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> new fantastic part of you. That's the Aladdin. That's what he sings. Is that Aladdin? A whole Maybe. new world. A whole yeah. new world. A whole, is it? Yeah. It's a whole new world. It I'm is. fucking right. I believe I don't you. Even have I'm a just asking. I believe. You know I mean? I'm, I'm not going to challenge your uh, Disney knowledge there. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, Definitely not the two of you with children. I mean, no, we we know. I've been the, out of the game for about 20 years. We, there. we know the song. <laughs> Adam, Adam knows the part of the movie where there's a dick. There's a dick. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> Bringing it to the, to the real. He's well, like, I watch it on mute. Well, I'm the, I'm the oldest of five, so I've got little. I had younger siblings that are significantly younger than me. They're, they're well, they're now in their 20s, but before you know, when I was 20 and they're 10, I remember them watching. Watching those things and being an adult and seeing them be like, these motherfuckers put penises in here. This is crazy. They can get away with this. Yeah. But I remember that they, that was like the original versions, and then afterwards they uh, uh, edit it. And there was rumors way back then. So my my family has all the like original Disney classics, and like my mom collect, collects them. She has a crazy. Yeah, it's brilliant. They like. Put them out, and then they take them away, and they put them in a vault yeah. or whatever. They just yes. make it impossible to buy. And then they release them every 10 years uh-huh. or whatever like that. And they It pisses s- you off as a consumer, but you still do it. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's brilliant, brilliant marketing. Got I, it? Have you guys seen uh, these um, studies? I'm going to say studies, but let's just pretend there's quotes around them. Okay. Uh, that have been posted on Instagram. Uh, they'll, it's like a, it's like a nice looking picture, mm-hmm. um, and it's a study on fitness, which we love studies on fitness. Yeah, so I I'm love. Already stu- ready to learn something. I'm already like, yeah. let's fucking let's read dive the study. Into this. And the study will say something like, 
Can standing shoulder presses impact shoulder growth? What? <laughs> Why are you studying this? The answer is yes. Next. Can breathing you know about, right? keep you alive? Have you seen these? Yeah. these this te- sounds like the, 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 the muscle PhD to me. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, Mr. I call I refer- Dr. Captain Obvious. Captain Obvious. Oh my God. Yeah, have you seen some of this? Like some of these studies? <laughs> yeah. Where are they getting the funding to studies? Like, where you go to, like, do you go to investors? Mm. You're like, okay, this is what I want to do. Is drinking like yeah. water good yeah. for you? I we- want I want some money to study whether or not barbell curls builds the biceps more than tricep press downs. Can I have some money? To, and then he puts out a study. Barbell curls builds more biceps than tricep press downs. Some of them are okay, but a lot of them are these Captain Obvious kind of studies. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't trust this guy. What? What? I don't. I don't. I know who you're talking about. I know you're you trying. To, I know you're trying to be PC right uh, now. I've seen all. I've seen. That's all he does is post these studies that are just ridiculous to me. Like moving will burn calories and fat. Like, <laughs> yeah, no fucking shit mm, it will do that. Like, yeah. guess what? If you squat, you'll build, you'll well, here's, build muscle. Here's another study. Here's another study. You read could call Should, Captain uh, Snapple Top. Here's you another one. I mean? Should you train the biceps through different angles? Like, I, you know, these are kind of like, they're, they're kind of, Answers we already know to, right? What well, yeah, and, and I think you should be clear. The reason why I'm not a fan, I just don't. I don't like people that don't respond to me. I'm a little bitch like that. You know, uh, if, I, if there's uh, another like person that yeah, is, that and he's sense. playing hard to get. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you're in our field, you're and you're posting science, you're posting studies, and you're somebody potentially that I could see coming on the show or discussing things with. Like I, I reach out to a lot of these guys, and I have been for a long time. And for the most part, everybody responds. You know, even someone like a Dr. Lane Norton, who has a opposing view as we do, still. Yeah. You know, would converse and talk with me. He and physically like, comes here, yeah, yeah and would which come. Is to, awesome. So I, d- I have not been a fan of old boy for quite some time <laughs> because I've caught him many times where I'll ask a question that's related to his fucking study that he posted, and mm-hmm. he answers everybody above me and everybody below me, and it makes me feel like a little fucking punk. So I don't yeah. like that. So probably because you're mean. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I'd answer you. I don't. I go- might avoid you. Yeah. I uh, do not go. I'm I knew very you. respectful on other people's page. Find me a time where I've gone on somebody else's page. Don't do that, dude. And been you're, dis- you're asking the internet freaking to do that right now. They're Let gonna him. find something. Let them. I don't. What? <laughs> you're gonna get like 15 you know, fish. You know, the only yeah. pages I might go to is probably you guys. I talk I more shit about the two of you <laughs> than I do anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look what you're doing there, Tubby. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, Adam. See, dude. Yeah. So See, Adam. Oh, See no. what happened, bro? I know. I you're already know. giving him a complex. Yeah, yeah, we had yeah. this conversation yeah, the other day. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Don't do that. I'm not a fan. No, I'm talking about Justin. He just made a tubby joke about himself. <laughs> Why? I love it. Yeah, Bring it, yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> Don't do that. He makes me feel bad, dude. Why? I don't like when we make fun of each other. I like, like making that. fun of us. All right. It's All fun. Right. Uh, speaking of Lane Norton, that was a good time we had with him. It was a great time. Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, we we don't agree on everything, but uh, we've always we've said this on the we show. We did agree on a lot. There's a which there, is interesting. Yeah, and we've said this many many times before. We respect the guy, and it's great to meet someone in person, and then for for you know your first impression to be what's your read on him? Confer- on Lane, yeah, very hardworking, <clears throat> ex- extreme integrity. It comes across with like incredible integrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, very smart guy. Mm-hmm. I think, and he's, and look, he's, he's, we've talked crap about some of his stances, although we've said we've respected him. There's also some stuff that we disagree with, but the willing, he was willing to come here and get on the show. Yeah. A lot of people wouldn't do that because there's three I, yeah. of us. It's our house. Like, mad respect. For yeah. That. Like, yeah. a lot of people wouldn't do that, you know? So I have a lot of respect for him. I, I still, I, even more than I did originally. Mm-hmm. But we disagree on a few things and we, we have a four hour long, 
interview with him, which is going to get aired. <laughs> did as, it go? Yeah. Did it go for Doug? Did it go for? It did. It did go for. Oh, it. close to yeah. it. Somewhere around there. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It was. Um, did we agree that we're going to do just one big monster one? Is that I, what we're? I think we're going to drop. We the whole should. Thing. I think we should do that. Yeah. yeah. Let let people decide when they want to stop. You know the conversation. No, we. It was a great. I mean, fuck. We could have gone for another four hours. Well, he gets into some stories, man. That he goes. He went on for a yeah. while in a couple yeah. stories. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. So yeah. Yeah. revealing. <laughs> being brought to you by Chimera Coffee. It's the only coffee that is infused with all natural nootropics for a cleaner, calmer, and more focused buzz without the crash. Click the Chimera link at mindpumpmedia.com and input the discount code MINDPUMP at checkout for 10% off. It's the motherfucking quad. The eagle has landed. First up is Coach K.J. Farrell. Oh, Terrell. Sorry about that. Best way to transition into keto. Before we go into how you should transition into keto, just based off of my observations and off of the science surrounding the ketogenic diet, and we're going to talk about the legit ketogenic diet, not the bodybuilding. Modified. Yeah, not the bodybuilding versions of keto where they're really high in protein. And like a legit keto is like 70% fat. It's like a very high fat, moderate to low protein and very, very low carbohydrate type diet. There are segments of the population that uh, the ketogenic diets tend to work really, really, really well for. Um, and there's some medical applications. Now, the original medical applications for ketogenic diets were for uh, people with epilepsy. But now we're finding there's other applications. Uh, people with autoimmune uh, disorders, in particular neurodegenerative degenerative type of autoimmune disorders like MS, seem to do very, very well on keto diets or keto-type diets. Well, explain what we know about that as far as like how, how the brain is using ketones instead of, instead of glucose and what, what we know about that and what we're learning. Well, if you have, uh, if you're, if you have issues processing uh, glycogen and utilizing glycogen for energy, um, your running off of ketones is going to make you feel a lot better. So, for example, people with dementia and Alzheimer's, they seem to do really well with keto diets because uh, their brains are having issues with, you know, functioning and transitioning to ketones makes the brain operate more efficiently, produces less uh, byproducts, less uh, inflammatory markers. And so the, their brains just work better. And then they get this kind of like symptoms get better mm-hmm. with their Alzheimer's. We don't know if it prevents Alzheimer's yet or, or, or helps Alzheimer's in terms of curing it. But we do know that for a lot of people... <clears throat> Even ketone supplements, you'll see um, you'll see benefits with their symptoms. Well, it's just stepping outside and using a different energy source. I mean, the, just just from looking at it from that perspective, like uh, the health benefits that that provides, and the different like if you even experience it, you're going to kind of notice things, right? You're going to notice like a little bit more clarity in your thought process. I mean, this is all obviously placebo in ways that you're going to experience it yourself, but. Um, you know, as far as that's concerned, like that's, that's one thing that I've noticed, like just being a little bit more restrictive and like always running on the same type of energy fuel source. And, you know, uh, there's, you know, there's other applications for athletes as well. Uh, a ketogenic diet is probably not the best diet for strength athletes. I can say that pretty confidently. I think 
carbohydrates uh, provide you with more explosive type strength. Studies will show. I've noticed that myself. That I, being said, the the drawbacks of it are splitting hairs, though. Like you had someone like Dom who went, you know, what five seven days fasted, ketogenic. And, and here's the thing: it depends, right? It, it, again, it depends on the individual. Like. For me, I tend to have gut issues and uh, some would, and they, they seem to be autoimmune issues. So eating keto makes me healthier. Therefore, I'll be stronger keto than I will eating on other diets. But if you, if you don't have those issues, studies will show that carbohydrates is, you know, or eating carbs in some way is probably better for strength. But if you're a long-distance athlete or an endurance athlete, ketogenic diets <laughs> present some very interesting yeah. performance benefits like let's say you're doing like a hundred mile race or you're these extreme, you know, kind of endurance athlete. It might benefit you. bitters of the world. Yeah. Right? It might yeah. benefit you to run off of ketones because then you don't have to feed yourself with so many carbohydrates during your races and your runs. It just makes you more efficient. Mm-hmm. And, you're, and you naturally, even if you're lean, you store so many more ketones or fat energy than you do glycogen anyway. I mean, if you're an athlete, a lean athlete, you're still going to have about 30,000 calories worth of, you know, ketones stored on just as body fat. And you're lucky if you have six thousand calories in, from glycogen stored. Hmm. So for a long di- for long distance athletes, you see a lot of them adopting the, you know, the keto type of diet. Um, so as far as like the transition, they're asking about like how, what the best way to transition into being keto. Like, well, would you would you talk about like intermittent fasting and kind of like just being more restrictive? First? No, I think I think more what's more important or up in your fast. Yeah, yeah, I think what's more important than that is is understanding that when you're when you're the average per- at least in, this is my experience with all the different clients that I've taken from uh, just a regular balanced diet to making that transition into keto. The number one thing that all of them struggle with is the uh, is increasing their fats to what they need because of how low their carbs are. Most people don't realize how much carbs they get on a regular basis, and then when they go to eliminating it, which is what you're pretty much doing in a, in a real true ketogenic diet to mm-hmm. nothing, uh, you need a ton more fat or else you feel like shit. I mean, your body really wants, it really wants glucose or ketones, and... If you don't give it enough fat, it's almost like, and I and I don't even know the the uh, the way to explain this uh, with science. I explain this very simple to my people: is when you don't give it enough fat, you don't give it enough carbs. You, that's where you get that shitty feeling of your body's like almost confused. Like, what are you going to give me as my primary source of energy? Because you're not giving me enough fat. You're not going to give carbs. And then here come the headaches. Here come this like fatigue feeling. Here comes, and then people go like, oh, this isn't for me. I hate it. Mm-hmm. When it's like, yeah. well, no, what it was wrong was you thought increasing your fats from you know 60 to 80 grams a day to now eating 180 or 200 was more than enough and actually you were wrong it was nowhere near what you needed it's way more fat than you were used to eating yeah i mean mm. here's the thing <laughs> to get into ketosis you're gonna have to because you can be you can scale it right you can go yeah. carb lower carbs lower carbs lower carbs <laughs> bump up fat bump up fat bump up fat mm-hmm. at some point you'll switch to ketosis and when that switch happens, now you're on a ketogenic diet. So if you want to go ketogenic, you can just go ketogenic. The problem with that is uh, are you going to tolerate the type of foods and the amount of fat? Now, right. some people's gut flora and the enzyme production in their body doesn't translate very well to straight keto. Like I've had clients that will go straight keto and then they'll become constipated or they'll have tough time digesting all those fats because their their gut flora and their enzyme production or whatever, their body – was uh, you know was adapted to eating more carbohydrates, uh, but uh, you know 
I've had other people who are transitioning that way is much easier and doing the slow route just kind of prolongs the pain because hmm. when you do switch into keto, there's a little bit of a transition process to where your body has to kind of get used to running off of ketones. Yeah, but wouldn't you agree that one of the problems, because I agree with you that you can go from, hey, you can be an balanced eater or whatever and then switch right into keto the next day. That's fine, but the mistake that most people make is they don't get enough fat, and that's yeah. typically why they have this yeah. shitty feeling that they have. Yeah, I would say I would say when probably the easiest way to do it. Justin actually touched on something. If you're um, very, if you, first of all, you have to be healthy. Uh, make sure that uh, this this will work for you. Um, I would enter into a keto diet, uh, excuse me, a ketogenic type, type diet after a 24 to 48 hour fast. So go into the fast. After about 48 to 72 hours of fasting, you're going to go ketosis anyway. So mm-hmm. well, I don't care what your diet is. If you fast for 72 hours or well, yeah, so. Yeah, that's what I was hinting at. Yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll, your body will go into ketosis. But 72-hour fast is a long time for most people. Yeah. I would say, and again, you've you got to be healthy. This is not for everybody. So there's your little disclaimer. But do a 24-hour fast. In, then your first meal, make it light, but make sure it's a keto kind of profile yeah, high fat for high sure. fat you know have your veggies you know kind of moderate protein and then go st- and then go into a ketogenic diet that's that'll be an easier transition than mm-hmm. you know eating carbs to then all of a sudden i think yeah because i think like it was some people that i know have had like an adverse reaction right away too is is the jump from uh it's almost like a hunger pain or it's like it's 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 a different type of a signal than uh coming from like very carb loaded and and being like dependent on that fuel source and then switching completely mm-hmm. into a different operating system so i i feel like you know like going into more of a fasted state like kind of trains the body to prep for that process and then you can kind of like enter it a little bit more very, I, very, I, very, I, agree. I agree i think that's a smart very strategy very for smart sure. yeah, very very smart and <clears throat> one of the one of the hallmarks of a ketogenic diet is uh, it kills your appetite. It really does. Mm-hmm. It really does kill your appetite. It's sad. I mean, if you're trying to eat a certain amount of calories, it kind of makes it easy. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I eat keto-ish most of the time. I do throw in carbohydrates because I like to keep uh, metabolic flexibility. I, know, I hate even using the word. Yeah, that. and I don't like using the word because, like, I, like uh, you know, like I was saying, it's not. I don't eat like this most of the time. You know, at least once a week or so, I'll have a decent amount of carbohydrates for me. So it's probably still low for most people, but for me, because I like to have that, like I said, metabolic flexibility. But I notice when I'm real keto, it makes it hard for me to eat enough yeah. calories. I have no appetite. It's just super, super satiating. I, you know? I remember when you're talking about it, Adam, too, like when, like you're still trying to kind of keep your size and all that. Oh, was competing, Im- it was oh. like really hard to oh, get. Oh, it was impossible yeah. for me to bulk on or put bulk, size yeah. on. It was great for leaning. Like I, I found, uh, like you said, it's, I was satiated. I, w- I I didn't feel like I was thinking. I loved it for that. For leaning out, I'm a I'm a big fan. And I and I don't like saying a big fan of keto. I'm a big fan of a higher fat diet and a minimal a minimal amount of carbohydrates. And that was my favorite part about going ketogenic. And why I like to teach it to people is not because I believe that follow this diet because I don't. What I do think though is ninety plus percent of all the people that I have trained have never ate a uh, a macro uh, breakdown like that where you're literally consuming 70% fat like we have demonized fat for so long you, you know that i mean i used to tell people a general rule was just stay under 25% you know so if you flip a box around mm-hmm. and, and that food says it's uh, above 25% avoid it and that was just kind of a a, a a generic number that we use for so long so 
you know, most people are used to staying away from fat for the most part. So just teaching them all the benefits and, and, and teaching them how to connect uh, how they feel and their skin and their hair mm-hmm. and strength and energy and satiety and all these things uh, uh, that you get from these good, healthy fats because you're increasing them higher than you ever have. Those, to me, that is the best part about the ketogenic diet was that you now have this opportunity to really connect those dots and realize like, wow, this is an important nutrient in, in my diet that I've been avoiding for so many years. And to me, that is the most valuable thing. Yeah, and just a couple couple <laughs> points I want to make that I don't think we stress enough with ketogenic uh, when we have you know these kind of questions is number one, too much protein will throw you out of keto- ketosis. So if you're really trying to go into ketosis, uh, it does not jive well with a massive uh, protein, you know, typical bodybuilder diet. So even if your carbs are real low and your fat is high, but you're still eating, you know, over one gram of uh, of protein, you know, per pound of body weight, or even one gram of pound for, per pound uh, per pound of body weight for some people, will throw you out of ketosis. Number two. It does not mean it's healthy. So if you're eating, I've had people be like, hey, Sal, I eat keto and I went to the doctor and my cholesterol like exploded. And I'm like, well, let me see your diet. And literally they have no, their fatty acid profile is horrible. Like it's all saturated fat. All they have is butter, bacon, steak. Like they don't have olive oil in there. They don't have fish in there. They don't have, you know, avocados. They don't have any of the other types of fats in there. So the fatty acid profile is all off. Like, it's it, it just because the macros break down to be keto doesn't mean it's going to be healthy. Well, and this is the drawback that I had with it was the variety. I, it I remember tough. looking back at you and said, you know, fuck, man, uh, months have gone by here, and I feel like a bulk of all my calories are coming from these handful of five foods, you know, which we promote. We talk so much about diversity in your diet and the benefits of color and and food rotation that any diet, which is why I also don't like diets or isms, is when you start to constrict, constrict, constrict like that, it just, it it requires more work. People, People think by signing themselves up for a diet that it's going to simplify how they eat, but in reality, they're actually making it more challenging for themselves because they're not allowing themselves to be able to go outside of those parameters based on the parameters that the diet's given you. And that actually makes it harder. We've said this before about one of the most challenging things about, you know, vegans is if you're a a true vegan and you follow that and you're also trying to hit all of your uh, micro and macronutrient targets that your body needs, it's actually really difficult to do. Yeah. And and keto is no different. It's very similar. It's the opposite though. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all, it's, just as challenging. Imagine, to- imagine being a ketogenic <coughs> vegan, and they do exist. <laughs> no, it's very, it's kind of like an, it's an interesting, even it's adding another layer of complicated. Yes, yeah, gnarly. So, next question, Doug. Next up, E. Carlson. In a past podcast, you guys talked about some beef with Jim Stepani. Who? South mm-hmm. favorite guy. Mm-hmm. Beef. <laughs> I wanted to know I'm more hungry. about why and explain why you think his supplements are no good. Sal doesn't like his, his tattoos. His work. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll stop. I'll I, like, I like his tattoos. Is there more to the question? There's a little bit more to the question. Oh, okay. keep going. I recently stopped taking a lot of supplements after listening to you guys and just would like to know what your thoughts are. I'll, I'll spend a very, very short time talking about uh, Stepani just because I think it, we've, it's, it's a dead horse. But it started with uh, a lot of people who followed him would tag me or you know say things like, you know, hey, I know you guys say, you know, the studies show for maximum you know, muscle building performance that lean athletes will get the maximum benefit or will get no more benefit from eating more than 
around 0.6. 0.6 to 0.8 grams of protein per pound of body weight. Why is this guy saying 1.5 uh, yeah. to 3? And, 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 and make no mistake, the vast majority of studies, almost all of them, the good ones at least, the con- are conclusive in this, that it's consistent. Any more protein than that, it, might, it won't hurt you unless you go crazy with it, but it's not going to give you any more muscle, so you're wasting your time. And here we have a guy, which was Stepani, who was saying, no, you get great benefit from eating you know, one and a half to two grams of protein per pound of body weight. And then he's recommending people take his protein supplement like three, four times a day to help make that up. So yeah. now you've got a 150-pound- Make sure it's casein right yeah, before bed. Yeah, now you've got a 150-pound female eating- That's right. He does a morning and night fucking of course, protein it's too. marketing. Yep. Then, you've got a, a, Silly. then you've got a woman, say, you know, 150-pound woman eating 300 grams of protein- and she's telling me about she's talking about how she's bloated. She's taking three servings of protein powder a day. She's not pooping. She doesn't feel good. And I'm like, okay, this is all stop processed on. protein. It's just it's just it, too much. It doesn't matter what you know source it is. It's and all so processed. I got upset and I I talked about it uh, because of course he's a PhD. He should know better. And um, obviously he's just he's just selling bullshit. And well, he he fired back and then we went back and forth. And that's that's it. That's where that ends. Yeah. As far as supplements are concerned. Well, you know, hold on a second because I think this he is there's. He's not the only one who's like this, <clears throat> and oh, no, I think there's a lot of. Them. I think the I think the three of us get a little more agitated with uh, PhDs that do this. Yeah. I, I, I tend to not like you well, know because they have that they have more credibility it, exactly. You know? So I, I I have less of a problem with a kid like a you know a, a Joey Swole, Devin Physique shreds type of kid or some you know first form athlete. Yeah, you expect them to not know what the first yeah is. exactly. No, really, that's true. You know, yeah. and and they're they're basically they're, they're falling they're falling the herd. Yeah. They see how you make money in the fitness industry. You make a name for yourself, then you peddle some supplement and get everybody on it. And then the the way they push it is, I take it, so you should take it. And oh, it feels so great or works yeah. so great. That's fine, whatever. It's the PhDs in the industry that I, I that I don't like because. I know, being someone that's been in this for so long, and I'm sure that even you who's listening to this right now as a listener, there's so much information. There's so much science. We're always evolving. We're always learning. We're always changing things. And it's very easy to confuse the consumer. It's very easy in this market to put up a study that makes it look like you need this or take this or do that. And it, and I know this because I remember giving bad information for many of the years that I was a trainer because I was getting fed these studies that at that time I didn't know how to read a study. I didn't understand exactly what I was looking for and what made it a, a legitimate study or good information or understood like, okay, what does that really translate to? Okay, so it means per, a percentage of this is increased because I take this, but what does that really translate into my real goal, which is fat loss or muscle building? And when you start to learn and understand that, you realize that it's fucking splitting hairs. The best supplement on the market, the best supplement stack you could possibly take, you're talking about incremental change that you can get from that in the fat loss and muscle building category. There's much bigger rocks. And we know as trainers for as long as we've been doing this for that there's so many other places that we can help people for free. Teaching someone how to work out correctly, how to eat, how to how to lower stress in their life, how to drink more water. I mean, these are all basic things, but a lot Make of people fuck them up. And not only that, but let's let's on on top of that, there are some supplements that'll give you a little bit of benefit. Uh, even the most effective supplement, the most effective non-hormonal supplement that's out there, backed up by hundreds of studies, one of the most studied ergogenic uh, supplements. In fitness, period, end of story, is creatine. Creatine, Creatine, for sure, for most people, 
will give you some benefit. But even that benefit, even creatine that's proven to work, even that benefit is not going to come anywhere it's near. very low in the totem pole. It's not even going to yeah. come close to like changing a workout programming or eating right. It's not going to come close. And that's creatine. Now, you could take- I would even argue stress and yeah, sleep. Uh, more, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like lower your stress or manage your stress better and get better sleep. Those will do better than creatine. Like if you took all, the, if I took all the supplements that were out there, all the ones on the market, I guarantee you we could take 95% of them, if not more, and put them in a category of complete bullshit, waste your money, and may, may even actually be uh, harmful. <clears throat> Uh, that's 100% accurate. I'll stand right by that. Mm -hmm. Very, very small percentage of them will have some use at depending on the, you know, on your diet, depending on the period of time. Like if you live in an area, I'll give you an example. Like if you live in, 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 in a part of the world where you don't get much sun, you're indoors all the time, a vitamin D supplement might give you some benefit. Is it going to give everybody a benefit? No. Is it going to give you a benefit all the time? No. What about if you're in the sun more, for example? So mm -hmm. this is how supplements should be used. This is, we're not anti-supplement. We're just... We just, unfortunately, the majority gotta, of the things... Yeah, you got to change the way that you look at them. So, like, if you have all of your ducks in a row and uh, you've completely mastered all the big... Um, the big, you know, things that are, are that are going to make the most difference. Uh, and now you're just looking for like a little bit more of an edge, or you may feel like you're deficient, you know, part of your diet in certain areas that, you know, you're not as likely to be able to pull from, you know, natural whole food sources. Uh, so there's a lot of there's a lot of room there to experiment and uh, kind of figure out if it if it makes sense with your lifestyle. Right. But uh, we're we're just we're just against the the uh, the idea that there's magic pills, the uh, gimmicky part, yeah, the gimmicky part. That's, that's it. the part which that, is most of the, out there. It is, it is, and, and that's why it, we. I know it's why Sal was treading lightly when talking about Jim because we're, what we are not here to do is to single out somebody and try. We're not and, trying to bully. We're anybody. not trying to poison someone's business. We're not trying to hate on an individual. It just so happens to be that him and Sal kind of got into this little yeah. social media thing back we had and like forth. a rap battle. Yeah, you know, and we have a platform, so we're going to use it. And we're going to talk. We're going to talk, but we're we're not trying. To to continue to sabotage this guy's business but he is a great example of exactly what motivated us to start mind pump you know two years yeah. ago was you know these type of guys it's misinformation yes you know we like i can't stand misinformation or like people holding on to old information old you know studies and and just just still like just not letting go of that well look even when the the Evidence is in front. Well, of look. Them. Let's use an example of another PhD, someone who has lots of integrity from what we've seen so far. Is Lane? We just talked to Lane, right? Lane is not going to tell. Look, he's he could sell a shit ton of protein powders if he wanted to. Yeah. But he's going to tell people, hey, listen, if you eat more than about 0 0.7, 0 0.8 grams per pound of body weight, it's not going to do you any benefit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He could bullshit people to sell more supplements, and he hasn't. And I'm glad that there's at least some people. Oh like yeah, that. no, we talked about that on his episode. Was you know we brought up uh, you know one of the deals that he made when he made his contract. With with bodybuilding.com and that supplement was that he wanted to be able to market it the way he wanted to and they yeah. wouldn't be able to say how he would do yeah. that. So, But just to give you guys an example of how they use studies, like uh, if I were to tell you, um, you know, I'm going to give you 1% improvement, maybe. We did a study with 20 people and out of the 20 people, we think we saw 1% improvement. Don't make it that bad. Make it no, 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 no. I'm going to, no, no. Okay, okay. You'll see where I'm going. Okay. And I said, Hey, uh, we saw, I think we think a 1% improvement for two things you'd think. Number one, 1%. Okay, that's fucking stupid. Number two, 1%, that could just be random because you only pick 20 people. We'd have to study like a, like a million people to see if it, that's even significant, right? However, if I'm comparing 
3% to 2% with a 1% increase, I could advertise that as, yeah, a, 75. as a 50% increase. Yeah. I could say to you, hey, our supplement will increase your whatever 50%. Now, little do you know, it's the difference between 3% and 2%. But that's how they take the numbers, they twist them, they mark. And what they'll do is they'll focus on things that they can change that don't necessarily mean you're going to get a better results. For example, nitrogen balance. Uh, if you increase your, your protein intake, your nitrogen balance is probably going to go up. Now, nitrogen balance is connected to more muscle growth, you know, positive tissue growth, but it's also connected to a few other things. It doesn't mean you're going to get it. This is the reason why you'll never see these these uh, ways they market. Like, we'll give you like a direct thing. Like, for example, like you built more muscle. Exactly. You will add <laughs> yeah. one pound of muscle more a week if you take this supplement. They no. can't say that. No, it's good. They our, our so study, they don't. Our study showed a fifty percent increase in nitrogen balance. Let's say it's one percent, but they should be, you know three percent versus two percent increase nitrogen balance by fifty percent by using our supplement. Nitrogen balance is, is positively associated with muscle growth, and you're like, oh shit. 50% more muscle. Like, holy crap. It's totally... <laughs> that means I just went from 1% to 2%. Yeah, it's totally designed <laughs> to fuck with you, Massive. you know, in that particular way, so... That's like, the main reason why. So it's not just Jim that we're picking on. It's the it's the people that represent shit like that. Poor Jim. <laughs> Tiffany Little, how would you change your training and diet in periods of chronic stress? <clears throat> so this is... Um, is that how that was written? How would you change your... Well, yeah. I think yeah. the concern is, you know, gaining weight and losing muscle when you're in a stressful period Yeah, like, time. this Life. is a good question. Yeah, because you could use stress or you could back away from stress. There's two different benefits if, to that. Well, I think you need to change your change your idea of what your target adaptations are for your training and diet. And I, had, I have a personal story um, to go along with this. So I've been exercising consistently now for two decades or more, more than two decades. Jesus, right? you're old. For a long time. <laughs> I've been doing this since I was a kid. And obviously in that period of time, I've gone through periods of stress. And one one time in particular where I had a, a close family member who was very, very sick for about a year and then who passed away, um, it was one of the more stressful periods of my entire life. Now, during that period of time, had I maintained my focus on building muscle, getting leaner, getting stronger, I for sure would have either hurt myself or overtrained or gotten myself ill. Yeah. Because my body was handling a lot of stress. I wasn't sleeping much because of worry, because of, you know, you know, you're you're stressing over the, you know, over the individual that you're thinking about, oh my God, are they going to make it? Because of lack of sleep, because you're helping with this person over here, you're helping with that over there. I'm helping to cook dinner over, you know, these days a week or whatever. Um, it would have been a bad it would have been a bad combination. So instead, what I did during this period of time of, of chronic long, it was literally, it was actually more than a year of stress. It was about two years of stress because you had a year of this person going through this disease and then a year of mourning after they passed away. So it was about two years worth of stress. During that two-year period of time, uh, my focus and goal was not to improve my body. It was not to improve my performance. It wasn't to get leaner. My goal was to alleviate my stress. My goal was to go in the gym and to make myself feel better. It was to really go hard in, for people to do. Very hard. Yeah. I, I went into the gym to escape for an hour, to be present for an hour because the rest of my day was so stress, stressful. So I didn't pay attention to the weight that I lifted. I didn't pay attention to how my body was looking. It was like, can I maintain my health 
so that I can be strong for this person, so I can handle this stressful situation mm-hmm. that I'm that I'm going through. So it was like it's no different than training for a sport. Like I'm going into this into the gym, and I'm going to use this so I, I can handle this this chronic stress, or so that I can alleviate some of this chronic stress. So that's the way I always recommend people change their training and diet. Like if you're and to be more specific, okay. If you're under high levels of chronic stress, you're going into the gym to be recuperative, mm-hmm. um, to be restorative. So intensity is lower. Yeah. Focus is on mobility. Focus is on uh, you know, flexibility, tightness, uh, recruitment patterns, because you'll notice when you're – at least I notice this quite a bit in my clients and myself – under high levels of stress, I hold my shoulders differently. I hold my posture differently. I hold my neck differently. Yeah. So I'm trying to correct those things in the gym because I, you know. Well, this is a lot of where part of our uh, motivation behind prime fortification sessions is this is exactly how I prescribe this to a client. And you have who's... people take compass tests all the time, right? Yes. Because your body changes. Exactly. Changes, and yeah. and and it's a new priority, right? So I got a client who's extremely stressed right now. They, they're going through a career change. They're going through a divorce. They got a lot on their plate right now. But yeah, they still have goals. They still want to be in shape. They still want to, to improve that. And then, so, But they're looking to me to, to, uh, to guide them and, okay, where do I go, Adam? Or what should I be doing right now? And a lot of times, uh, I've got to get convince them to pull back on their their training and or shift what we're focusing on instead of hammering the body with the weight so much trying to make progress in building muscle or burning fat the new focus is just is feeling better is well that's important to highlight because on top of that like you don't want to just stop doing things right because i've had clients that are in the same situation that um are dealing with like chronic stress that is it's not going to end anytime soon either yeah and so it's it's not necessary to their benefit to just um, you know lift heavy and, and and really try to improve their body and in, in, in you know perform a performance aspect, but it is so beneficial to create this outlet to create this environment uh, where we're still going through the movements. We're still uh, keeping that signal alive, uh, you know. And not only that, it's like it, it's a place for you to sort of uh, meditate and, and become more present to you know like sort of regroup yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, it's really important to step outside of that stress and create a different environment for you yeah. to step into. I mean, I know I know it's a shameless plug, but this is, this is why we created all these different types of programs because when we're done, the idea is that personal trainers will, will utilize all the tools that we've provided for these exact type of situations and questions. Mm-hmm. So I would hope that a trainer that I was developing and training and that had all of the resources that we provide would be able to look at you and be like, boom, there's MAPS uh, Prime Fortification Sessions and MAPS White I want you doing for the next two months. Mm-hmm. And the idea is you're going to be doing these body weight type movements. You're going to be focusing on mobility like Sal was saying, and you're not going to be heavily focused on you know, heavy deadlifting, heavy squatting, overhead pressing, a lot of stuff that we are huge firm believers in to build the most amount of muscle and how the foundation uh, of all of our MAPS red, MAPS green, MAPS black programs, but that's not a priority right now. Right now, your stress and, you know, you feeling better is now becoming a priority, but yet we don't want to lose everything that we've done and accomplished. We don't want to take a step back. We just want to reprioritize 
your focus when you're inside the gym. And like Justin's saying, we don't want you to completely mm-hmm. stop. So let's move over to like Maps White, where we're going to be doing more body weight type movements, and let's incorporate some of your, you know, Maps Prime, where we can start addressing some of your imbalances. Because all those things, if you got imbalances, if you got bad posture and you got stress, I, I guarantee you're dealing with little minor aches and pains and annoyances throughout. Well, the day. your body also becomes hyper uh, hyper reactive anyway. Right. If you're, when you're super super stressed out, you're more likely to feel pain. Anyway. Exactly, and yeah. this is why. You get really tense. Why you would go through these fortification you, sessions to uh, you know help alleviate that while you're doing more body weight type things, which is not going to be as stressful in the body as like a heavy deadlift or over. And you want to keep in mind, it's not just about being tense. It's literally an emotional. Your emotional state will make you feel more pain. And I hate you know people get angry when you say that because they say, mm-hmm. "Oh, well, you're just trying to say my pain isn't real." No, you feel it, so it's real. Yeah, it's just not a physical. There's not a physical reason for your pain. It's an emotional reason, hmm. and I promise you, it's very strongly connected. It's all connected, and so all the systems are connected. So going, they all feed into and each going other. Going in there and moving. Look, uh, there were days that I would go into the gym, and luckily I owned a gym, so I could do this. But if you don't own a gym, you could do this at your house. You could go in a room or whatever. But what I did was I would go in the gym. I turn all the lights off. So the only light that came into the gym was from the window. So it was kind of dark in there. I put my headphones on. And I put uh, kind of soft, slow music. And I'd go in the gym and I would do just movement. I would just move. I would do stretches. I would just breathe. And, you know, I'd lower the intensity. Mm. Um, it's something you want to keep in mind when you go into the gym and you're pissed off and you feel like you just want to break, you want to throw the weights in the air because you're so angry. Sometimes that's not what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Sometimes what you do is you do the opposite. Because uh, you know, throwing in more intensity at yourself is going to ramp yourself even up even more. And so I'd go in there and I'd give myself 15 minutes to bring myself down, and then I'd do my movements. He does it's this. Old. It's really weird too. When I walk in, see him <laughs> doing downward dog to Inya. It's just a weird, yeah. weird in his briefs. And the other thing too, um, the other thing with diet. Yeah, I was going to say diet. Like you notice people how they medicate uh, with stress because it's like they need this this sort of like release. A lot of times, mm-hmm. alcohol comes into the, to oh. the picture a little bit more. Like some some more like poor eating habits habits just tend to kind of make their way in because it's a comforting thing especially sugar and uh highly processed carbohydrates because they both uh, will cause a rise in serotonin and so you'll find that the more stressed you are the more likely you are to crave uh these types of foods and then it becomes this feedback loop where you get a drop in blood sugar and you want to eat more of them Here's the thing, when you're... The- God, you know, what you just said is such a good point, and it's so fresh in my mind because of just the recent podcast that we did with Lane Norton and stuff is, you know, these are the things that we, we do know. We do know when you eat foods like that, it does increase serotonin. We do, And because of that, it becomes more addictive. It becomes yeah. easier for people to do. And this, it's and a physiological this, response exactly. to food that are chemicals. I'm sorry. Yep, and that's and that this is the part that I, I have such a hard time when I de- debate people like that over something like an, you know sugars and artificial sweeteners is because there's so much more to meet the eye. It's not just cut and dry like oh no. you know this calorie versus this, this calorie. It's no, not the law of thermodynamics. It's, it's not. We, there's other past there's that. other things going on with the body, and we I know that fucking more than half the people that I've trained in my life deal with this type of shit. They mm-hmm. deal with stress. They deal with jobs, deaths. They deal with this stuff going on. And when they do, these are the these are the typical patterns because it's normal. Mm-hmm. And of course, and, and then when you do it one time, it feeds that, right? The serotonin kicks up and you feel a little bit better than what you, you did. You feel a drop and so, then you want more. Exactly. And, and, you know, like I said, like nourish your body. Like, first of all, you have to acknowledge you're under chronic stress. So a lot of people don't acknowledge it. They think they're, they're warriors and they're just going to fight through it. That's, that's a bad, that's the wrong approach. Acknowledge it. Like, okay, wow, I'm really under a lot of stress. Here's my battle plan with my nutrition. I'm going to really 
just take care of myself because that's going to help me deal with the stress. Um, that's one of the best things you could possibly do. There's a reason why they call comfort foods comfort foods. It's like a, it's like a medication. You go in, you eat, you feel a little better. I need some more comfort food. And that's going to happen sometimes. But just be aware of it and really nourish your body with diet because it makes yeah, a big difference. don't punish yourself for it either. No, don't yeah. pu- exactly. Thank you, Justin. And if you fuck up, don't punish yourself. Yeah. Flex Wardle, what moments in your life have defined you as a man? Jeez, I have, oh, wow. I have quite a few of those. Uh, the first... <laughs> The first boner. The f- <laughs> of course, hey. would, of course, that would be you. Yeah, <laughs> I think the first. Um, this was the most monumental I time am ever, a man. Yeah. One of the first ones for me, uh, God, that I can think of was becoming uh, a, a manager. I was 18 years old when I was managing uh, my first staff, so I was really young, and uh, I had—I'll never forget—it was my very first all-staff meeting. So I'm this young kid. I'm 18 years old. I have about, I think I had like 15 or 20 trainers that worked for me. And I remember I had them all in, in there was a back room because it was big. So everybody was standing around me and I was kind of nervous, but kind of psyched at the same time. And I remember I stood up on a desk, like before the meeting, I don't know what popped in my mind, but I said, I'm going to stand up on this desk because I really want to get everybody to, you know, to rally around me. And I stood up on this desk and I delivered this meeting. And the minute the words started flying out of my mouth, I just went on this really, this, just this autopilot. It just felt incredible to be in this position, to have this responsibility and to be a part of this, uh, this team. And at that moment, uh, I felt for, for the, one of the first times in my entire life that this was what I was supposed to do. Like I'm supposed to lead a team, lead people to have this kind of responsibility. It, it, it turns me on. I feel passionate about it. It feels really good. And I felt very empowered from it. So that's one of the first moments that I can think of uh, that really defined me as a man. I guess uh, one of the next ones, that, I know there's more in between that. But well, be, there's got to be several. Uh, right yeah. now I can think of a couple. Of yeah. my, well, the next, the yeah. next one I can think of was um, having children, mm-hmm. having my kids. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, there's two, part, two things that happened. They happened with my son because he was my first. And I experienced them first with him, obviously. First was when he was born. Uh, I had this interesting experience. Like, I remember my wife at the time, she had this connection to the baby because she was carrying him and she was talking about this this baby and her belly. And, I, you know, I love him so much. And to me, it was exciting, but it was this real abstract concept. It was like, okay, I see that there's something in there. You're growing. I can see on the ultrasound that we have a child, but I have. I have a connection through you, but I really don't have a connection mm-hmm. yet to this baby. And I didn't realize it at the time. I, just, I thought I was connected. I think I, that's common for all like uh, men, fathers. Yeah, I, I didn't feel anything like like what she was. At least I didn't, real, I didn't realize it at the time. I thought I was. Then I saw my son come out. Like I literally saw him come out. I saw his face. He had this real, he was scrunching his face up because he was about to start crying. And I remember my, I had a picture of myself that my mom took when I was, firstborn and he looked like me so much like me and I was like holy shit like and it hit me so hard like holy fuck I'm a dad and then over the course of like the next week I felt this overwhelming connection and love that I can't explain I, there's no there was nothing I had ever felt like it and it was overwhelming because I'd never I didn't I didn't it was unexpected I didn't know what it, what was going on like I'd watch him sleep and in the middle of the night, if he made a sound, like I'd jump up, like, oh my God. And mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, I'm thinking about the future in different ways. And then fast forward, he's like three years old, and we're watching Finding Nemo, mm-hmm. uh, which was uh, his favorite cartoon he would watch on repeat. 
And so the first time we watched it, we sat down to watch it, and he was glued to the TV. And it was the part where Nemo gets lost, the, 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 the fisherman or whatever picks him up, and the father swimming after the boat. And I'm watching with my son, and I fucking started crying. Uh, and I am not. I don't cry at movies. <laughs> I watch movies, and I'm like, it's a fucking, fucking movie. Fucking Pixar. Yeah, I'm like, it's a movie. I don't give a shit. Making men cry. I fucking cry, dude. Like, I didn't bawl, but like tears, like little yeah. little couple tears came yeah, down. Yeah, you fought it. And I was like, uh, uh, I was there. I was like, are you kidding me right now? Like, yeah. what the fuck? Is, and I realized at that moment, like, wow, this is making me emotional. It just gets worse. I have another, you know, I have my daughter and forget about it. <laughs> so those those are two two of the biggest moments that I can feel uh, well, that really defined me. Let me just piggyback on that just just to get the father stuff out of the way here. <laughs> um, yeah, because like, we're all gonna cry. Yeah, there's two moments like I could I can identify as well. Um, one was was when I had graduated. Uh, I had graduated high school. I've been through like two years at this college, <laughs> and then had decided that like you know I don't really know who I am, like where you know like I, I was trying to still find out what I wanted to do with my life. I had no idea, and so um, you know I got really challenged by that, you know, by my parents and and also like you know friends and people around me that were kind of still in the area and they were, they were unsure what they were doing. And I just like, had decided, you know, I'm just going to get out of here. I'm going to, I'm going to take any chance. Anybody that throws an opportunity at me, I'm going to get out of here. And, uh, I just decided to go, man. And, and, uh, I went to Chicago and then just going through that entire process of, of not knowing anybody. Like I had no friends. I had no, like, it's just starting over again. And then this just sort of defined, I helped to really internalize the process of like, uh, how I think about things, you know, what, what kind of traits, like, uh, I don't know, like I grab onto and like, uh, what defines me, like what kind of, there was a lot of adversity I, I, I forced myself into with this and it was really cold and uncomfortable. And it was just this, you know, I, you know, I had broken up with my girlfriend of like four years, you know, and like, I just went out there and just decided to like find out who I am. And so that was like a defining moment for me. And, uh, and then taking that uh, experience back, you know, the next sort of like groundbreaking thing in my life was definitely like having children. Uh, and then just, you know, I can totally relate to what Sal's kind of describing as far as like not having that initial connection because, um, you know, I really feel like it's <laughs> biologically, you know, with the first with the first baby, when they're just a little, you know, infant, it's like, you know, you don't have the, you can just see the connection immediately with the mom, you know, it's just there already. Uh, but, uh, it was until like, you know, my son was able to start talking and, 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 you know, communicating with me, it was, it really just drew me in and I just became changed forever. And, you know, and then that, that sort of process intensified even more the second time, because, you know, you kind of, you kind of know like the sequence of how this all unveils, but it's this, it's this immediate intensity of like, Oh wow. Now my life is a legacy. Now it's like, now I'm like, I'm, I'm not just living for myself anymore. Like I'm really like what I do affects these people. So I have to like, you know, figure all this out and what that means. And anyway, so that can was, you guys, intense. can you guys think of times too, that really define characteristics in, in, um, in relation to business and your work ethic, like, can you remember times of like that you went through growing up that was like that happened that pushed you to this next level of work or this next level of business or understanding people? Or can you think of moments like, like when I'm listening to you guys, 
hundred percent, of course, and I can't obviously relate with having a child because I haven't had a child, but it makes total sense of uh, that being a defining moment in your characteristic and who you are for sure. Cause it's a part of you. Right. But I think of times like <clears throat> for me, one time that was, and, and I, I can, I can sitting here listening. I was like, man, okay, well this was a time that defined this about me being a care, like buying my house by the time I was 21 or even backing up further. I was out by 17. So I moved out uh, when I was 17 years old and was paying for college and working, working, working full time, going to school full time and doing that all on my own. And I think that really defined who I was. I came from a very uh, poor family and, and uh, I was the oldest of five. And I, when I moved out, I, I knew I didn't want that. I wanted more for my life. And probably when I was 17 years old, it was very materialistic driven. You know, it was I didn't have things. I wanted things. And I, if I had to do it myself, I would do it myself. So, and that was the, the initial thing that defined me, but that's changed. Um, and so I remember, you know, fast forward, now I'm 21, I buy my house. Uh, that was probably one of the most, uh, that was probably the biggest accomplishment. I remember as a kid, uh, to me, that, that meant so much for me to get to that point in my life. I probably rode that high for a good five years afterwards of like accomplishing that. And like that meant so much to me in, in life that I, I'm I've accomplished, I'm established, I'm not going to be poor, I'm going to be okay. But then later in life, I, uh, you know, I continue to excel uh, in business and, and, and uh, financially. And, uh, you know, I those that don't know this, like I have a watch collection and each one of my watches represent a financial milestone that I made in my life that, okay, until I've got this much money that I've made and saved, I'm not going to buy this one and then the next one and so on. So that meant a lot to me. And so I got to a point where um, that wasn't that important to me anymore. And I realized that it was, it was to a point because I didn't want to stress and worry about bills and things like that. But then I also realized that money didn't buy happiness and, you know, I could have all these, uh, you know, toys and things and, you know, it didn't, it wasn't, it didn't complete me as a, as a person. So, um, you know, other things drove me. Another defining moment I can think of was uh, actually the, probably the most recent uh, would be, you know, competing uh, and, and hitting pro as an IFBB. And, and it's funny that that was a defining moment for me because it had nothing really to do with, uh, becoming a, a pro men's physique athlete. It was more that um, I set out t to go after a goal that I thought was uh, extremely, one of the more challenging goals in my, in my life uh, alone. You know, I didn't really have, I mean, I had Katrina. Katrina was a huge support and has always been a huge support of mine, but I really, did, I didn't have anybody else to lean on to help me get there. And it taught, it taught me a lot about, uh, about myself. It taught me a lot about self-discipline, um, um, and also to do something that I knew I didn't have a love and passion for. So that, that to me, like it's, to me, it's easy to do like this. I love this. Mm. I love talking fitness with you guys. I love working out. I love doing that, but I did not love bodybuilding. I didn't love that sport, but I saw something that I, I felt I needed to do to, in order to propel something else that I wanted to do. And I think that, and it reminds me of a quote that I, I used to keep on my desk and it's, you know, we do the things that we have to do now so we can do the things that we want to do later. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it, that's hard to do that. You know, everybody wants to do the things that we love to do and everybody wants to find the job that they fall in love with, but th that's not real fucking life in real life you got to do a lot of shit that you didn't want to do or things that are hard work and, you know, frustrating and, and, to, to put myself through something like that and anybody that's competed knows the discipline it takes and then 
to to work my way up to the highest level and to really not care about it. Yeah. And there, and I think it, and I think a lot of people trip out that I could walk away from it because I never really truly cared about it. It was part of an overall vision. So I felt like that was a very defining moment too on. Uh, who I am as a character that I could take something or as a person, I could take something like that, that uh, I can focus on, uh, excel at it and then still move on from it and not be married to it and become attached. Wouldn't to it. you say too? I mean, just to kind of dive back into your childhood that it was like, I mean, most of what made you who you are is that process kind of growing up and then dealing with what you had to deal with that and, and how to like define who you are going to be and people that look up to you within your family is like sort of the, uh, the role model, the authority figure. I, I definitely think, I mean, if you wanted to go really get crazy deep, I, you know, that's why I'm somebody also a fan of like a Tony Robbins, right? Who yeah. I, I don't, I don't feel sorry for myself, uh, for anything that I went through. I think, uh, it, it forced me to mature, uh, at a very young age. I mean, I got to remember being a, you know, it's crazy to think this because at that time in my life, I thought I was super mature and, and whatever. But I remember being like 14 years old and, you know, standing at the edge of my parents' bed and like, you know, giving them like counseling and telling them like how to communicate and talk, you know, and thinking to myself like, you know, and that also caused a lot of issues and resentment in, uh, later on in life with my family that I had to grow through. But I mean, I don't, I don't feel sorry that I had to go through that because it defines who I am and it made me into that person. And, and it also, uh, created the leader inside of me and Sal touched a little bit on, on leadership. You know, I think of another defining moment, I'll never forget sitting around, uh, uh a big district meeting that we had and there was 12 other of uh, my peers. So there was, there's 12 fitness managers in the office. There's the district, uh, manager that was leading the meeting and at that time, of the 12 trainers or the 12 managers that were sitting around the table, you know, eight of them were people that I hired and developed. And I took a lot of pride in that because uh, I cared more about the success of the other others than I even cared about the own success. And that was a, a, an evolution for me because when I first started, it was very selfishly driven. It was, I don't want to be poor. I want these things. And I went after those. And when I once I achieved that, I realized that there was more than that. And I enjoyed other things. I enjoyed watching others that wanted those things and developing them. So I really think there's a, a lot of these define. I think, I think we're continually, uh, uh, defining ourselves. You're defining yeah. yourself every single day, right? Every single day. Well, we all seek adversity and let's be honest. No, growth doesn't happen when you're comfortable. That's no, the bottom. There's no doesn't. need, there's no need to change if everything's going great and everybody's, you know, comfortable and happy. Growth happens from, uh, uncomfort. Mm -hmm. The most growth happens from pain. And I know that sucks, uh, but it's 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 absolutely true. Maybe it, it gives you a little bit of comfort when you're going through something a shitty time. Just know that if you make it, you're going to come out um, better, stronger mm -hmm. than you were before. I know that whole it's, it's it sounds so cliche that the pressure you know, what creates a diamond. What doesn't or, kill yeah. you makes you stronger, but it's a hundred percent. There's a handful true. of people I have met in my entire life, that, and they're they are they they exist, and I try and model after this, but really. When adversity comes, when the hardest times in their life come in, they literally fucking grin at it. Mm -hmm. They re they literally smile, grin as fuck yeah, bring it on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, because you know why? Because I know when I make it through this, I'm going to be that much better than what I was before. And to say that, it's sure it's real easy to say that, but it's fucking real hard when you're in the thick of it to be able to step outside and say that and do that. But I'll tell you what, talk about probably one of the most 
powerful tools that I've ever, and I don't even want to say I've learned to do that because it's something I continually have to practice. Yeah, nobody wants, who the hell wants to be in a position that's uncomfortable and sucks? Well, you don't, if you, does. you don't until you realize that, like you just said, that the most growth yeah. comes from that. It, it, usually it's after. Yeah. It's usually after that shit went down, I'm like, oh my God, I survived. And I'm like, whoa. And I, when you learn, I grew from that so much, you know? When you learn to yeah. do this, you start to bring on more of these scary, challenging moments of leap career changes and taking out huge loans. Yeah, to start a business. I think it's like, just you, you just you just don't fear them as much because you know what you've already been through. Yeah. You've been through the rodeo already. You know you survived. Worst case scenario, it's funny because I'll think in terms of worst case scenario a lot. You know, like okay, worst case scenario, what could happen? I'll still be okay. I'm still be alive. Uh, or or worst case scenario, I'll die. What's so bad wrong? You know, that's not the worst thing that could happen either. Like, you you know, you start to think in those terms, and really nothing can stop. You know, what it reminds me of reminds me of uh, there's a scene in Rocky Four. You guys gonna laugh, but. <laughs> Where 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 his Adrian is half, telling, of, half of his fucking knowledge comes yeah. from Rocky. I, swear I will break you, hey man. Where Adrian is like, she's like telling him, "You can't fight the Russian guy. I know he's gonna yeah. kill you." And he goes, "Listen, if for him to beat me, he has to kill me, and for him to kill me, he has to be willing to die himself." And I don't know if and and that's I don't think he's gonna be willing to do that. And that's it's true for you to go forward and do certain things. Sometimes you have to be willing to lose it all. And I don't think you should always live that way. But when you're going through some of your toughest challenges. Uh, you know, that's one of the things, you know, one other moment that popped into my mind, um, was somebody who was a hero to me growing up, um, and still is, is my father. But as a child, as a kid, he was such a superhuman figure to yeah. me. Yeah. My dad was so strong and he was so like unshakable and, you know, and he was in many ways, a lot of those things. Of course, as a kid, you blow him up. Like, I think he's like Superman and, uh, for a long time, like we would wrestle and do shit. My dad would kick my ass. He could beat me, right? No matter what I did with him, he would beat me up until, I'll never forget this. I was 18 years old, 18 years old. At this point I had studied uh, some judo. So I knew how to grapple a little bit. And we used to grapple in my, in my parents' living room all the time. And we were grappling and now I'm 18. Now I'm pretty strong. I've been lifting weights for a little while and I can give him somewhat of a match. He still beats me, but I can make him sweat a little bit. But in my mind, he's still some superhuman figure. And I'll never forget, man, we were going and I caught him in a, uh, it, was a, it was a shoulder lock and I caught him in a shoulder lock and he didn't want to get out of it. And I'm cranking it. And finally I hear him go, ah, and he taps out. And immediately my image of him being the superhuman, like unbeatable Superman, it was very strange transition. It was shattered. <laughs> He's human. It was weird. He's beatable. It was shattered. Dude, I, uh, and it wasn't like- it you, you brought back so many memories. And it dude. wasn't like I was, I wasn't yeah. fucking happy. No. I was actually yeah. sad. It's funny. My I, I dad so- used to sit on me. Like he just to, just smother me because we'd wrestle all the time. And people, go should, to, people should know that Justin's dad's like fucking six, six seven, seven. two hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's 200, huge. Yeah, almost three hundred pounds. So he dude. used to just <laughs> smother me. That was his go to, you know, uh, and just like dead weight. So imagine a six seven guy that's like well, well over two hundred pounds, just complete. Like you try to get that fucking dude off yeah. of you, right? And I was just like, oh god, he's doing it again. You know, like I, there was no way out. And uh, there was just one time, it was when I was finally, I think it was when I was in eighth grade, ninth grade or something. And we, like, I would still wrestle with him because I just, I was like a shithead like that. I just love wrestling and just, you know, like all that kind of stuff. And um, <laughs> we're wrestling and then he just smothers me. And then all, you know, I'm like, ah, you know, I just got all of my might together. Like I just, I just got all my strength. I summoned it and I was just, yeah, and I started lifting him. And I lifted him and then I rolled him on his back 
And then I got up and I just like threw my arms in the air. <laughs> and then I just walked away. And I was like, <laughs> you didn't feel sad? <laughs> no, I just walked away. Like I felt like the, the 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 champion of the universe. See, I felt sad. I actually felt sad. It reminds. It's like when Rocky. Well, Mars because it's your hero. Well, it's, you it's, see your hero finally get beat. You yeah. know? It's like uh, yeah. uh, God. What's his name? My dad congratulated me though. It, well, I felt bad after I did that. Like not bad for him because I didn't hurt him or anything. But I felt yeah. like, oh my God, like he's he's not like invincible. I felt really bad, and then I developed a new respect for my father because then I started to really respect him for just being the good man that he is. And then it became more true. And that was a defining moment. That's why kids need to lose. Yeah, That's why you need to beat your (laughs) kids. Fuck, man. (laughs) Fuck this. Everybody gets a trophy shit. Yeah, that's that's very good, Justin. (laughs) Yeah. Listen, if you like Mind Pump, leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. If we like your review and pick it, you'll get a free Mind Pump t-shirt. Also, push stop on the podcast right now. Go to YouTube. Subscribe to Mind Pump TV. Let me tell you something. We provide a brand new video every single day, 365 days uh, out of the year. You'll get a new video that's about an exercise or nutrition or something else that's fitness, health related, or just cool. You're going to get every single day. Nobody else does that. We're the only ones that do that because I said so. Uh, Also, Check out mindpumpmedia.com. That's where you can find all of our programs. And you can also find us on Instagram at mindpumpradio. You can find me at mindpumpsal. Justin's at mindpumpjustin. And Adam is at mindpumpadam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump. Mind Pump.